0: To our uh, to the session two of the March theme, which is on better economics for climate. Um, we have uh, Jilam Sarkar uh, moderating this session, so I'll hand over. Uh, I'll hand over the the mic. Yeah.
1: Good evening, everyone. Um, I'm Jilam. So I'm pursuing my MFL uh, from CITD at Genio. And um, I'll be moderating today's session that's specifically focusing on uh, gendered aspects of uh, climate change and extreme climate events. Um, my re- it's one of the areas of my research and uh, I'm hoping uh, to get valuable insights from everyone. So, shall I begin?
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, yes, please. Yeah.
1: Okay. So, so exogenous shocks such as um, climate hazards affect men and women differently across our societies. And um, this uh, notion of this differently. lies in the intersectionality of the socio-cultural conditions as well as the economic institutions of different regions. If as uh, evident from the readings, it is especially observable that in the less developing countries, specifically global South, that women are often responsible for activities, including gathering fuels, collecting water, as as well as producing food. With intensification of uh, extremes, such as droughts, flash floods, such tasks are becoming more difficult as women constitute 70% of the poor population who are most vulnerable to such hazards. According to the Care International Report 2020, women who are displaced due to climate shocks often have relatively less access to relief resources and their propensity to face gender-based violence increase. So, in fact, it was, uh, according to the report, it it was being mentioned that poor women and children are about 14 times more likely to be killed than men by extreme climate shocks such as typhoon, cyclone, and flood. And if you have noticed that there is this interesting fact that Most early warning systems for disasters and other emergencies are designed and used by men. As a result, the gendered aspects of the activities as well as um, the timing, um, like for example, if you remember the 2005 tsunami that happened, there it was statistically being confirmed that more women and children being killed compared to the men so why this thing has happened it's because of the nature of the work participation that women are engaged to different than that of the men so when the early warning systems are used are designed and used by men without considering gender it disregards the kind of participation of the activities that at the time at the point of time the events come come up to the surface. So naturally, even the physical, um, physical impact is also gender differentiated. So from the first reading that is uh, by Khandekar et al. Um, the nexus between the extreme events, sexual violence and early marriage, which is a case study concentrating on two districts in Bangladesh, they have found that the early marriages of the daughters is a coping strategy for managing the consequences of extreme events. So how 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 the, the social aspects of the social notion of the early marriage and the economic comes up, it's because firstly women being viewed not as a, you know, the member of the family, but like they will get married, they have to get married and they will be part of some other family where they will render their service, their unpaid care service or the output of the work that they do, even if it's it's accrue to some sort of return. So what the poor families or the households who are engaged in climate sensitive activities such as agriculture in the two districts uh, did is Just to minimize the household expenses, they marry of their daughter, then their household expense will be less because there will be less mouth to feed. As a result, uh, they tend to marry of their daughters. This is one hand reason, the economic reason. And the social factor that comes up is unmarried daughters are subject to sexual violence during a crisis, especially when they, they, have, they are moved to the temporary shelters, um, which are unisex, like there is not proper uh, different um, accommodations for men and women that will ensure the security of the woman um, from, from different modes of um, um, abuse, that occur. So naturally, it's, it. This, there is this belief that if the woman comes under some sort of violence, then that would harm the family's reputation as well as the daughter's reputation. So they tend to marry off their daughter early. So in a way, that's said to be securing their future. Since marriage is considered to be a good prospect for women by, um, by many, like not even the poor households, but also the relatively the well of households in countries like Bangladesh, India, sp- uh, broadly the global southern countries at large. So, and um, the other aspect that uh, comes up is that the migration part. So, this um, the climate induced migration. And the resultant effect on the vulnerable population, including poor women, children, it's being less studied, um, like even by the global south southern authors as well as the western uh, people belonging or the researchers belonging to the global north. This aspect is being largely neglected. So there is this paper of our today's reading by Patel and Giri that focused on um, construction workers in Orisha. So they look upon that woman um, in Vovaneshwar who are largely like the ones who are illiterate and landless belonging to the uh, backward or or the reserved categories. So they come up with an interesting finding that they the migration from the rural to urban or from the affected areas to a greater um, or lesser affected areas or more resilient areas, that the migration is giving some sort of improving their financial status. And also they are doing some fo- focus on educating their children, even the daughters. And their... Um, not only the socioeconomic or the financial status, but also their psychological, the self-confidence, some the strength of overcoming some sort of social barriers has been improved. However, this is just the one part of the story. In fact, on the other part, like the marginalization of such groups and vulnerabilities prevail because the migration does not necessarily imply that the woman is also migrating women migrates mainly because their husbands migrate so it's a migration by the virtue of being married many times what happen is it's not possible for the uh, the bread earners or the male uh, how, uh, male um, male family member to shift along with their families so that that time the woman or the resultant female headed households suffer because um, the lack because majority of the property such as the land ownership is not by the woman but by the men so this in turn makes it difficult for them to get the loans if they want to do some sort of um, farming and buying the inputs required them uh, to secure some funds so according to the researchers this uh, the fact that this this disproportionate um, effect on the female headed households which appears partly not partly but mostly because the men went to the cities or the towns to to get the earning slightly different from than depending on the climate sensitive areas, uh, sectors such as agriculture that makes them more vulnerable like that goes by the term what is known as triple burden so like the limited access to formal credit markets or the labor market there exists a substantial gender disparities because uh, banks often deny the woman seeking loans um, since it's the male family members who hold the title for the land ownership and also like then the female, these households have the higher total dependency ratios because this woman have to spend a lot of time in taking care of the dependent family members such as the children and elderly, which further makes it more difficult for them to leave the houses. So women who are the heads of the households with uh, no other adult to help them facing greater time and mobility constraints. And as a result, they have fewer hours to choose uh, fewer hours to devote to some economic return to some engage in some works that accrue them some economic returns. Mainly as a result, they, they get engaged into some very low paying jobs. So it's the net effect of the so called positive effect that we have seen um, partly in um, in in this uh, in the study of the Odisha that. Um, there are the hopes by seeing that there is slight improvement in the financial status of the woman as they have a little bit more opportunity, even though it's an informal sector, to get engaged in. Um, but largely, what happened because m- many times uh, women are left behind in the affected areas to take care of the households while while their husbands or the m- men. Uh, Bread-earning member who are typically the male go to the urban areas to earn. Be it in the construction sector, be it in any other sector, which are um, which actually does not pay them that much well. Many times they get um, injured during the work, and their spending gets uh, absorbed in their own treatment or um, in their uh, daily life da- daily lifestyle even in the urban areas so then their family which were already impoverished tend to depend on the female uh, member who by socio uh, so- social institution has to take care of the dependent family members cannot devote much time outside for their work so then Next we come to the gender and adaptation. So as we have seen that men and women are affected differently. So, and it largely depends on where they live and how they sustain their livelihoods and also the roles that they play in their families and communities. And each of these are determined by, not mainly by the geography, but by the social institutions of the geographical region. And that is why the global Southern countries, um, in the global Southern countries, women are more affected because of the patriarchal uh, society or the social societal institution. So I'll open the floor to the discussion and just um, prior to that, I'll just reiterate the questions for today's discussion that why do you think or what is your perception of climate change as social phenomena next how would you link what is your opinion in linking climate change and gender inequality and in what ways do climate induced migration impact women like what do you think or in what direction the net effect of so called positive and the negative of uh, negative effect lead us to and lastly what is your opinion as a social planner that would induce in climate adaptation or mitigation programs to reduce the associated gendered risk so i will open the floor for the discussion Any question?
0: Yeah. Uh, Hello. Hi. Uh, hi, my name is Manav, and uh, actually I was just trying to struggle with my mic, so it was not working. That's why it took time to, for me to ask question. So I was wondering, like, uh, actually, um, uh, like, what policymakers can, I mean, actually, see, seeing the scenario of policymakers, especially in Global South, like, uh, it's highly... Uh, male centric uh, governments, you know, like uh, alpha males are running the government. And I mean, how do you think like in this scenario, they can bring the change, like they can bring the paradigm and uh, they can make the policies which are more gender inclusive, seeing the fact like uh, the scenario for political, like especially like the political scenario in global South, In India or in other countries, what what do you think like how we can you know move forward.
1: Hi Manav. Um, Thanks for the question, so this is one of the much needed question um, that the global South is facing so. The thing is, when it comes to the gen, like the climate risk or the extreme climate events um, and the associated impacts, the social inequal uh, effects that uh, the society or the corresponding communities face, it's much like at the local level. So if you noticed, like, for example, the study on the Bangladesh, so that is a local, um, it dealt with the local level of the gendered risk, right? So, the thing is, in order to make the climate change policies more gender uh, responsive, the first thing to do is to take into account the stakeholders and the communities who are affected. That is, at the local level. So, for example, the districts which are affected, the people who are affected, they have their own way to cope up, right? So it's really important for the policymakers to take account of the people's opinion, their perception, that how they are tackling, in what way the tackling can help. This is um, similar to uh, sort of trying, if I try to draw the analogy, then it's sort of like, you know protecting the forest, we need to take into account the communities who know the forest areas much well than the alpha men who are sitting on the chairs drawing the policies using the complicated quantitative methods. So in my opinion, in order to make the climate change policies or the adaptation policies more gender responsive or more gender inclusive, first step is to take into account the perceptions of the people at the local level. Second, take into account the, lo- the woman, like we need more women at the policy level, policy making levels, the one who will be understanding because the, the alpha men won't understand, right? Like how the thing is affecting men and women differently even if they understand that it's the effect is different they won't understand the intensity that it will be affecting men and women differently they many times what happen is we ignore that the effect is um, different for men and women just because of the physical difference or the so, social social cultural difference and we tend to ignore it but if we take into account the local communities, and women who can voice those local communities, then we can take the uh, adaptation policies more gender centric. In fact, in order to combat this gender inequality aspect of the climate change, we need to use the instrument of the gendered aspect, like we need to come and face the gender issues to tackle this gendered this uh, uh, disparity induced by this extreme climate events. Is that answer to your question, Manav? Yes. Okay.
2: Hi, Chilam. Yes. Hi. Uh, Hi, so um, talking like not just not a question, but a thought like um, since I live on the coastal belt of Odisha and I've experienced cyclones or other natural calamities at a very closer and local level. So one thing I really liked about the climate mitigation program here is that before any natural disaster that is supposed to happen, the government here asks prepares the self-help groups of women at the local level of rural areas. And they are trained for these disaster management so that they can go to those villages and assure those women for the safety for uh, those women and children. And also in that process, they get a lot of women in their self-help groups post cyclone. So because due to these calamities, the agricultural land almost gets destroyed because of saline water. And it takes almost a year to restore the land's fertility. So that migration that occurs here it's the self-help groups of women that are strengthened enough to absorb a lot of women in them uh, into their groups so that they can seek for more employment opportunities. And also with respect to microcredit, the state de- has a dedicated department to self-help groups. It, it actually became the first state to do that. So now self-help group right. women can access microcredit and also provide. Uh, banking services to any rural district of the state so I feel these are some of this like it just started happening five years back like preparing women to handle these disasters so that assure they can assure the other women suffering there I think these are some of the things that can happen at the local level Yes. yeah and even Kerala government took this like um, implemented the same thing as Odisha government and even they saw a very good success rate of not just evacuation but also strengthening those women and children who have suffered in these natural disasters.
1: Yes, actually it, it should lead us to a better welfare uh, or like uh, the the damage is uh, much lesser because because women the type of work in the rural areas irrespective whether it's a coastal area or non coastal areas the type of work that women are engaged into like collecting woods and the other unpaid care work at the household level the type of work helps them to get better knowledge the practicalities that how to tackle when some Sort of uncertainty or the shock spread. So, as you said, that the measures uh, adopted by the Orissa government and the Kerala government. So that's to some to to a large extent we can say a milestone at the state level because the measures is being taken. But this measure ha- can should be taken at the deeper like uh, at a local level. Like as you said that the agricultural Lands get infertile in, for a long period of time for about a year. It takes, despite um, giving pre uh, uh, pre-event warnings and steps, but in that case, the uh, um, that is the case where the local uh, the the local government should take play depending on the regions, depending on the localities. There should be some sort of uh, uh, measure that will protect the uh, or reduce the damage to the lands. Some some technological, some innovation or the sustainable technologies should come into force. So I think that that will also, uh, to some extent, um, um, improve the nature of the adaptation measures taken by the communities.
2: Yes, absolutely agreed. Thank you. No problem.
1: Thanks for the uh, comment, Samridhi, because uh, I was expecting from you to speak on that since you have faced, you have you have seen the, seen it more closer than us. Like since I read it on on other papers and internet only. So there's this question from Jalid: Why is that the climate change has such an adverse effect on women? while the outbreak of diseases don't have that much effect on women as compared to men. Okay. So um, it's it's not that the outbreak of diseases uh, don't have much effect on women. Um, for example, the recent or the ongoing pandemic, the zoonotic disease, this COVID-19, it, we cannot say that it has affected women um, Relatively lesser than that of the men, as we are quite aware that there are the rising rates of the domestic violence and uh, you know the increasing um, early marriages among the girls that is being taking places um, even in in India. If I uh, if I focus my um, discussion on the geography. So we cannot say that the outbreak of the diseases don't have that much effect on women as compared to men. So like whenever some sort of exogenous shocks, be it uh, any epidemic, pandemic or extreme event, it affects the marginalized section, to be precise the vulnerable section, which are women and children to be in particular, than that of the men. So the reason why the climate has adverse effect on women, is where the notion of the climate change as a social science arises. It's because of the, it's climate change affects women more adversely than that of the men, not because of the gender itself. It's because of the intersectionality of the gender and um, the social institutions. For example, the patriarchal uh, society that we are from, which tend to exploit women more than that of the like tend to exploit women rather than giving them equal um, access to basic needs similar to their men. So that is the basic reason why climate change results in unequal effects like disproportionately affect women more than that of the men. Because by the notion of our society, some certain tasks are borne by women, some tasks borne by men. So the nature of the task associated with women tends to affect women more um, adversely than that of the men whenever such adverse situation or the hazards come into effect. Jalit, I hope uh, I was able to answer the question. In fact, if you are aware like um, now India is the seventh most um, affected countries in the world and um, in terms of the climate change, like the global climate risk index of 2021 says that India has secured the seventh position in terms of the risk generated by the extreme climate events and um, the latest report of ceew or the council of um, um, environment uh, and water so they found that the 75 percent of the indian districts are prone to extreme climate events Uh, so it's kind of an alarming situation given the uh, the uh, the the type of the other social challenges that india is facing kritika um you were saying something Um any question comment please feel free to discuss Yes, Manav, you're right. It's not not the climate is not changing, it's us who are changing. Like it's because of us, the climate is altering its behavior. Right. So it's a it's a nice, nice saying. Thanks. Hi Jilam.
3: Um I have a small comment plus question of sorts. I wanted to, so you you talked about agriculture, like briefly touched upon it a little bit um, and I wanted to extend on that. I am currently working on the intersection of agriculture, climate change and financial inclusion Um, and from, and focusing on India and other countries in Southeast Asia and Africa. And from what I have seen is that there's no, um, in terms of having products that help mitigate um, the the harmful impacts of climate change, specifically catering to agriculture, are missing by and large, um, irrespective of gender. But then when gender comes into place, there's almost Nothing. So, like somebody talked about um, the SHG and the microfinance that's taking place. So, that uh, does exist in some places, but something, but that is more expansive on climate change. But considering agriculture makes a large part of um, India and other developing countries, their uh, employment, their GDP, like livelihoods at large, there's not really anything that helps. These people and financial help is quite important when we're talking about trying to because awareness is one thing. But um, if you are telling a smallholder farmer that, you know, put a different type of irrigation, this thing that can help mitigate or something that you do specific to climate change, they need the money for it. Um, And that is by and large missing. So in your opinion, like, do you think there is something there is a gender lens that comes in here as well? Um, And is there something that can be done at a policy level or how it can be done that can focus specifically on, uh, say, women smallholder farmers or women-run micro-enterprises when it comes to agriculture, when it comes to agriculture, trying to mitigate the uh, effects of climate change? Um,
1: Thanks, Jaya. So... As you said, that uh, it's it's unthinkable. Like, uh, if we ask the small landholders to change the way they are practicing their irrigation and the farming as a whole, in that regard, there should be some um, policy at the public, like, the, the f- there, there should be some government-level policies, you know, that will incentivize the farmers to take or to adopt the sustainable farming, for example, the organic farming or um, like uh, reducing the, the as, as we are all aware that the current level of the, uh, the, the current um, policies on the agriculture, like subsidizing the water as well as subsidizing the, the electricity so these sort of measures, rather than going by these measures, had we come up with some other measures like that will protect the farmers, um, the, the protect the land from the extreme hazards or taking up, say, a low cost, uh, like low cost farming method that should be taken into mind. Um, in India for example I think so far I remember that in the northeastern part of India um, there there has been a little bit of uh, effort towards um, incorporating the organic farming so however there were some loopholes in in, in that um, uh, in that method that um, they are not getting enough uh, the Manures and the other inputs that they require for getting better yield. So there were these loopholes, but at large, to answer your question, firstly, I think that woman-led um, micro enterprises should be encouraged because um, we need women as the f- uh, to come forward as they know, like they have the better knowledge by virtue of the type of the work that they do. To understand um, the needs and uh, they are therefore like um, managing the micro enterprises. So I believe that there should be this gendered aspect. Secondly, for protecting the land or protecting the small landholders and the and their farm from the extreme events, I believe that it's uh, it's it's not wise to ask them to. Just directly, like to change, you know, change your style of farming. Rather, there should be some incentives from the government side or the local body, local body of the government that will incentivize them or support them financially so that they can adopt the better techniques of the farming. Also, for the sustainable farming or um, the green farming at large rather than depending on the chemicals of the pesticides and the fertilizers and the groundwater resources that are depleting at a faster rate. So I believe there should be the uh, government intervention in both ways. Like as Samriddhi was speaking that uh, the, uh, the self-help groups and the how women are given uh, the, some uh, sort of the empowerment at the time to um, check on their situation and take up the coping strategies. So uh, that that's a that's one end and on the other end, when it comes to the agricultural households or the their occupation at large that depends on the climate, there I believe that, The notion of the sustainable farming should come forth, but not like imposing it on the farmers as a whole, but there should be some monetary incentives from the side of the government that will induce them to take up um, the sustainable farming, like reducing their dependence on the agricultural, um, uh, this chemical fertilizers and the unscientific or the non-renewable methods to extract the groundwater and um, also the role of the banking comes into play like there should be uh, incentives or ways to encourage the public banks so that they can provide the the green loans or the um, loans to the farmers at lower rates that so as to uh, like in in such a mechanism that would incent that would give the better incentives to the farmers uh, to take up a better method to come up with the with their farming so is that answer your question yes if, yes this
3: was great thank you jilong thanks
1: please feel free to comment like if you want to uh, focus on any particular area of the discussion So like in the place where I belong to, it's uh, near the border of Bangladesh in West Bengal. So recently, like there are the problems of the um, water scarcity that is occurring at a very faster rate. Like there are the evidences in the nearby villages where the woman has to um, walk at larger distances, giving more time to collect the water and because the schools are shut down so the girls like instead of going to the schools like especially the class 9 and class 10 students for whom the government schools have opened up in the rural areas uh, as well so like they are not coming to schools and all sorts of the things because they have to spend larger time in um um like helping their mothers and Uh, The farming activities so that's we can also call it as an instance of the uh, adverse effect of the climate change, not climate change, to be precise, as uh, Jaleed has commented, it's because the way we are changing, um, like making it difficult for the nature to sustain. So, if you come across with any such instances, please feel free to speak.
3: Um, I don't have any such instance, but uh, I don't know what other people's interests are. But I was wondering if we could delve a little bit deeper into the um, into the Bangladesh paper and uh, essentially the topic that the Bangladesh paper covers, because that was for me personally, it was quite interesting. It was a new um, it was a new I it was a new lens because I had not previously. Um correlated climate change, gender to sexual violence and early marriage. So if you would have any more uh, such uh, instances or more papers or examples and uh, delving a little bit into the reasons of such that would be interesting.
1: Okay, thanks. Yeah, actually uh, the the paper on the Bangladesh actually it, it worked as a reference for my research work so the paper as it goes like this early marriage and um, extreme climate events so this paper is specifically focusing on the two uh, climate um um like two districts that are largely uh, vulnerable to the extreme climate events cyclones and flood to be precise and it's interesting like um, if you uh, see like uh, Is the paper open in front of you?
2: Shilam, I can uh, enable you to share the screen if you want to.
1: Okay. Okay. Great.
2: Yeah. Just a second. Yes. Now you can share the screen. Okay. Thanks.
1: Is it visible? Everyone can see?
2: Yeah, it's visible. Yeah,
1: so um, I hope it's yeah. So as as we uh, like, as the paper said, that the uh, basis of the paper was that the extreme events and the sexual violence and this together results for the households to marry of the marry of the girl at early ages for securing their future, as well as reducing the economic burden in the families. So here, the, the literature review of the paper has also pointed out that the girls are frequently threatened with sexual violence in the shelters. And the situation is similar in the refugee camps where long distances to the washrooms and the deficient closing mechanisms on tents pose a threat to women's safety and security. So the this was one part. So we may say that um, uh, that it's because uh, of the patriarchal notion of our society that is compelling such, um, such sort of sexual violence to be happening with the woman. And it's mainly because the household's head are specifically men who tend to like, um, not think the perspective of the girls and let them get married off. But the thing is, the early marriage is, we cannot say that it's exactly the result or the outcome of the extreme climate events. Rather, it's the intersectionality of the social uh, phenomenon, the way the society view women, that is being induced by the occurrence of the extreme events. So this paper went on to some qualitative uh, method whereby they um, interviewed the households, like some of the sample households at a uh, deeper extent. And what they um, they found out was that like during their in-depth interview. It was that, for example, if we consider that whether a woman would uh, take the decision on marrying of their girls early, um, this decision how, whether it does it differ whether the if the households is being um, headed by a man or by woman. So they found out is that in Alipur, for example, the poor male household head who is basically poor reckons that the money will be saved after the other daughters are married off. Like he is ignorant. He lives from his day labor that he has to find every day and his per capita income is much low and he lives with his three married daughters, two of them who were married before age 18 and three were married aged at 15, 13 and 10 years. So this is the viewpoint of a poor male headed household who believe that marrying of their daughters early would um, like help them to save the um, money. However, uh, uh, another representative widowed female household from the same district, like from Alipur, also suffering from the food insecurity. She also believes that um, they should be get married. Like quoting to her statement, it, it is that my family is a large family, and we struggle to manage our daily expenses. We also face extreme floods that destroy our rice production and our piece of land is small. We suffer from food scarcity as a result of extreme flooding. So we have to go hungry or reduce our food consumption. If this land and our home are badly affected by floods, we have to go to shelters or to relatives' homes. Floods make us poor. When these situations worsen, we consider early marriage for our daughters against poverty. With Alipur flooding, each year we suffer if we have more children, if we marry off our daughters, it means we need to feed and clothe less people. So we cannot say that in general that a female-headed household or a woman will take the decision differently than that of the men per se, but it depends on the financial stability of the family as a whole. is the intersection of the gender of the household head and the socioeconomic status of the household that together determines the coping strategy of the household. So that that was one insight I wanted to introduce in in the study. And um, the another was, I'll just stop sharing. Um, okay, stop. She is here. Okay, so here I wanted to break into insight uh, some cases or some examples from India. So, if you have noticed the recent incident in Uttarakhand, um, the flood incident. So it. Um, so Uthra, So in in Uttarakhand, like it's it's the basis of my case study for my research work. So what we found out is that. Uh, from the NFHS survey data that the child or not the child, marriage, the early marriages is explicitly high in in Uttarakhand and. Honestly, like in the rural areas, the estimates were also showing that the extreme weather events or the extreme precipitations is are one of the factors, one of the most significant, like the statistical significant factor that drives the early marriage among women. Unlike in the urban areas, where the social socioeconomic uh, factors was the main driving force, so if you um, the the report like this is just one instance that I wanted to bring upon that it's not because in Bangladesh, but the thing is there are the studies in the Bangladesh more more studies has been conducted in Bangladesh that has been focused on the sexual violence due to the extreme events and uh, the early marriages, but there, there are the instances even in India uh, where um, the, uh, the gender inequality or the uh, sexual violence um, not explicitly being shown but the notion of the child or the early marriages preferably among women compared to men is also quite lar- quite high in the areas where um, these extreme events are uh, extreme climate events are um, um, more frequent. Even there was this uh, like uh, instance from it's it's a bit uh, um, older instance, but uh, in 2008 the Koshi flood in Bihar. So there was this another study uh, being conducted. So what they found out was that even after say, two uh, more than two years of the extreme events, the um, the result, like uh, the number of the, the years of the early marriage has declined for both men and women. So we can say that this, um, um, the the kind of the gendered abuse or the uh, this uh, early marriage notion, that thing differ from locality to locality. As we have seen in the Bangladesh study, that the families who, who are impoverished by the extreme events, especially the type of the work that they do, which is basically the, either the agricultural laborers or the farming. So they tend to marry off their daughters early because of the sexual violence that occurs in the post-extreme events. And there are instances even in India, but yeah, more research needs to be done, more explicitly field work has to be done. So in that way, we can say that the, it's not um, the gender per se, or the household per se, household head per se, it's the intersection of a large number of factors, the gender, the type of the household, the earning source, everything matters. Because all of this together determine how the household is coping up. And that in turn will, um, because madding of the girls early is one of the coping strategies of the house in the two districts of the Bangladesh as we have seen. So together the in- intersectionality of the socioeconomic status, as well as um, the uh, the the geographical factor determine how the extreme climate events will worsen the situation for the gender. And if for this, like, I would also refer to the uh, CARE International report. So, there it was said that um, um, what climate-induced displacement means for girls. So, there was this thing that women must needs to have a central role as change agents and in design, implementation and evaluating the solutions. Why? Because poor men and poor women and children, they are more likely to be killed than men by a climate full disasters such as hurricane, typhoon and cyclone. So they said that this uh, effect is like will make them more than 10 times Uh, more exposed to the events and the risk of getting killed. So, it's basically uh, the large number of the cultural, social, economic, and geographical factors that is actually making women and children worse off. So they also pointed out in respect to Bangladesh that women and adults and even in the urban parts were found to be particularly sensitive to the health impacts from water logging and deteriorating water quality as a consequence of heavy rains. And hence they face particular challenges from being dependent on assistance from their male partners. So this once again brings us to the instance of the, um, like the empowering of the woman because they generally depend on the male partners and they don't have their own security, E- socioeconomic economic security, the financial security, many of them lack it. So that also make them more vulnerable to the social uh, effects of the uh, the extreme climate event. In fact, there is this another example that uh, the K international report has said was um, in Madagascar that, uh, that there was a storm heat in the northwestern part of Madagascar that affected 126,000 people and uh, damaged 15,000 houses. So many national roads were damaged and uh, the thousands of rice and crop fields. So while many of those displaced were able to return homes, the poor families who could not afford to rebuild their damaged houses were unable to return. And these poor households or the poor families belonged to the communities who were largely patriarchal. So I'm not saying that It's the patriarchal households who will be affected directly more, but because men are the power holders and women have almost no prerogative neither in terms of the decision-making nor in the use of the resources within the households. So they cannot raise their voices despite having the capability of making a better decision. So naturally, they tend to get affected indirectly more by the occurrence of the extreme events, and um, so this, like um, there was uh, another uh, example, like in the uh, flat prone Kurigram district of the Bangladesh, that there it said that the majority, like this, this instance is in in perspective of the migration, the climate induced migration, that majority of the migrants were male, as much as ninety seven percent. Yet Women and children bear most of the social costs of migration. So why does this happen? It's because women and children are often assumed the responsibility for cultivation of the family land. They work as the casual laborers in the absence of the men who migrated to the urban areas so as to provide better for their families. But that in turn leave the women and the children behind and they... The type of the work that they take into many times in the absence of the uh, their husbands, women also face the brunt of the sexual violence or some sort of the abusement during their work in the agricultural fields or the the brick kilns that come at par. So the we can say that the additional byproduct of the male migrants is that the adolescent girls of the family as well as the young wives face sexual violence, uh, which also leads to the social stigma and induces or reinforces the early marriages among women. Similarly, uh, there was another instance in the Northern Mali, where they found that the male dominated migration has a strategy to deal with more frequent and unpredictable droughts. So far, like the examples that I was given was focused mainly on the flood aspects but this one that uh, like throws a light on the drought aspects that women are left behind to cope with changing climate increasing their vulnerability by adding to their higher workload so the studies also like focusing on Nepal, Ecuador, Peru, Kenya, Uganda and Ethiopia that main cope with climate change by migrating but women who have the fewer assets as well as the empowerment or the ownership and more family responsibilities are less likely to be able to move, leaving them more exposed to the climate impacts. As they are being more exposed to the climate impacts, it increases their exposure to the associated violence in the camps or the shelters where they are displaced after the occurrence of the extreme events. So we can say that Both um, this displacement and migration can be particularly dangerous for women and younger children, especially girls per se, because they are at greater risk of facing the post-event traumatic violence and also like they are susceptible to human trafficking and the other heinous forms of the exploitation that it entails. So, any comment on this
2: Yeah, I had one. So I just uh, wanted to share a personal experience that I had um, near a shelter home that is not very far from my place. Um, So when we had the cyclone uh, Fani uh, in 2019, Mm -hmm. so a lot of women and children were brought there from a lot of local villages and all. And we heard a lot of instances on missing children, female uh, children, and uh, there were sexual violence cases. And what I was traumatized more about is that even in such an overcrowded place, women can get sexually harassed. That was kind of very shocking for me to hear. And uh, also women do not get access to any sanitary products and they do not have to live there for just 10 days or a few weeks some have to live there for months at least until their villages are you know the the flood water has gone away from the village or the places have not received electricity for more than a year this was the case and it's just the cities that are focused more to restore post cyclones rather than the villages and for for those reasons they have to stay there for a lot a lot of time without access to these things and um, in a in a very personal experience when i was talking to this one woman uh, she told me a very heartbreaking thing that you know you made us survive by bringing us here but we do not know how to live after this so, I mean, I, I totally agree. I applaud the government for the self-help group help and everything, but that's not something that every woman can have access to. And it's not something that can encompass all the women that are there, given the population of women and children. Exactly. So that question of how to live next after a forced survival is is something that, it's, left a question. Yeah, exactly. and
3: it's a bigger question. Yeah, exactly.
2: It's a bigger question. I did not have any answer to it. You know, she, she told me that you can... So I had gone there, like I, I, I introduced myself as I want to cover this place, like just to get an idea of what exactly is happening. And, you know, she told me that you can celebrate by writing in your papers or these articles that how many people you have saved, but nobody cares about how these saved people are going to live after this because we do not know where to go the cities cannot take all of us it cannot accept all of us even though you know some migrate for construction work and all but it's not open for everybody so and you know she was like there was a point when I had dreams for my children to at least study and not work on the fields like me and my husband do but right now I do not think that my daughter and my son can do the same because my daughter needs to stay back home to take care of the house. My son needs to come with me to work and they drop out of school. You so, know,
1: so it's like the, the tummy comes forward.
2: Yeah, exactly. The,
1: the, the, the brain, like the head is, is positioned it, a little little back in terms of our physical. So the, the food comes first, the exactly. education comes second like yeah. the immediate need has to be satisfied like everyone of us like we need to take care of their daily needs right so okay. to them the education is some sort of a distant long run event especially like at the times of the crisis and mm-hmm. that is where we can say that it's true that the cities cannot take everyone even if it does it will not reduce their adverse condition the li- the state of the living conditions will worse off but the thing is, there should be the local intervention that has to come forward at, in this respect. Mm-hmm. Like, and also the woman's empowerment needs to be stressed upon. So, while we can say the self-help groups and the other measures, we cannot, like, ask them to cover a lot because the population itself is so so much. Like, the population density is quite high. But, yeah, a proper disseminating of the schemes, a more deeper focus on the communities is what is desirable. However, like as a policymakers, if we look at the um, overall or to prevent such adverse effects, we need to focus on the woman empowerment because that is the one that will transform the structures and the systems and the gender inequality. But um, like in the medium term, the girls getting exposed to violence, to human trafficking, that is incentivizing the families to marry up the girls earlier. So for this, we need the local level government intervention. Like there cannot be any other substitutes, right? Like even if I say that we need women's empowerment and everything, but that is not going to tackle the extreme event or the flood that is suddenly happening tomorrow and afterward however we need to change the structure the way the work is being soci- societally divided between the men and women we need to keep on striving and emphasizing the idea of increasing the woman's empowerment like woman's empowerment has to be stressed through the gender lens like the lens of the poor woman their voice has to be come at the focus. Like, you know, we do research, right? We write papers, we do research, we try to publicize the results so as to bring the notice of the policymakers, the alpha men who are sitting on the chairs. But what the research has to do is to bring more into the notice of the stakeholders, bring more the voice of the communities, something that will improve their, make them more aware, make their make them more resilient. The policy has to focus as well as the research, like it should not be the bunch of the students conducting their studies using the secondary data, but the bunch of students going into the field, interacting with the people, the communities who are suffering and coming up with a joint effective policies that can be enforced. Obviously for that, the, Local government body should also play an active role, but that is a different story, right? So, if we come at the policy level to the long term perspective for the prevention perspective, there has to be some intervention that will prevent this short term adversities and make education the ration, the food more accessible to the people not making them that the education is a far fetched dreams it's mm, it's it's something that has to be the dream but we need to focus on our more nearer needs the food that shouldn't be the case like they shouldn't have they shouldn't face the trade off that is where i think the empowering the mothers and the girls who are left behind has to be the foreplay of the policies as well so like like, in the struggles, the woman has to strive to, you know, sort of balance the practical daily and the individual achievements with the strategic and collective and the long-term work to challenge the biased social rules and the institutional factors. So, like, as the, the, the Care International defining that women's empowerment, is the sum total of the changes needed for a woman to realize her full human rights, the interplay of the changes, the agency, her own aspirations and capabilities and the structure, the environment, the conditions, her choices and the relations. So I think that this power relations and the degree that she can negotiate her path, that will also determine the individual level. Of course, it's easier to say than being done, but I think with some proper effective interventions from the local government body, local body of the self-help groups, that is not through the finance, but also the social aspects, some sort of incentives-based approaches that will enable them to, you know, to focus on the education, the health of the girls who are left behind. I think some sort of this mixed approaches can improve their bargaining power within and outside the households. And also reduce the consequent gendered uh, violence induced by the extreme events that is being occurring. So any take on this? Um. So I'll just give one example. Um, I'll just share the screen for this once. OK, so there was this comment. Yeah. Yeah, so like, uh, you know, it's pathetic. Like, even the recent uh, pandemic also uh, pointed the trade-off between the living and the livelihoods. So. This is because of the informality or the the lack of social securities uh, in in the type of the work that majority of our population is engaged into. So I'll just briefly share the screen on this. Um, I hope this is visible.
2: Yes, yes it is. Could you just zoom in?
1: Yeah. Is it visible now? Yeah, yeah,
2: much better.
1: Yeah, so as being here is that uh, in India, in the Jashpur district of Chhattisgarh and Buldhana district of Maharashtra. So the Care International has been working with 4,500 marginalized tribal women from 50 villages. So these women are highly dependent on rain-fed agricultural, particularly paddy, and face many challenges due to climate change, including water stress, erratic rainfalls, deterioration of the soil quality, and fertility. In fact, if you have noticed the recent TimeU survey report of India in 2019, that around 44% to 50% of the women spent larger hours of their daily unpaid domestic work in fetching water and the household agricultural farms. So even though they are not the direct owners of the land or direct um, acknowledge themselves as being the farmers, but they spend most of the times in the climate sensitive sectors for their livelihood or supporting their families. So what they found out is the as a result of the supporting these women, the families and the communities by setting up and strengthening the self-help groups to help them gain self-confidence and financial skills. They found out that after the seven years of the project that women are now better able to plan their agricultural activities because they are engaged in participatory scenario planning. So this participatory scen- scenario planning is what needs to be focused upon. Because before the rainy season starts and as soon as the climate seasonal climate forecast is being made, women and their level, their communities, including the traditional forecasters, meet the local authorities to create an action plan for the rainy season. Then, twice a week, weather information that is received from the local agricultural university is shared through village information boards and message to cell phones. So, with this climate information at hand, the women and their families can properly Plan their agricultural activities. In fact, in some selected uh, villages, this mini weather stations set up by the CARE walk in collaboration with the meteorological department and are being monitored by women to provide farmers with locally accurate weather data on a daily basis. So this is we can say that one instance, um, the way the uh, the extent of the adverse effect on the climate sensitive uh, households mm, to be dealt with. Besides like as they go on that training women on agricultural techniques by conducting farmer field schools, empowering women by promoting their active participations in the local governance organizations, facilitating their access to inputs, markets and services, generating supporting relations within the communities and households all this together will lead us to the desirable some some desirable results so one one point to note there is the self-help groups and this part is we need to bring the bargaining power or the decision making power like the planned uh, scene planning of the scenario so that requires proper disseminating the information regarding the weather, the daily weather, um, like the on, onset of some sort of uh, extreme shocks, the pre warnings that should be reached through the proper channel. Then the decisions taking the woman at the foreplay, that there should be like the sequential steps has to be done in a proper channel. Like as Samridhi was telling that in Kerala and Orissa, So there are these self-help groups. The government is um, um, trying to sort of uh, uh, making more resilient. But I think if the way it can be done by bringing the communities um, more aware about the situation, um, discussion, like the focus group sort of a thing, so that they can plan it well in advance. And of course, the... um, like um, that will reduce the adverse effect. And along with that, I think the incentives that uh, will um, induce um, like technological innovations like that will encourage sustainable farming on one hand and reduce the um, damage on the fields that is being done. Any take on this? Any comment? Yeah, I think I also agree on this point that rather than on the empirical analysis or the quantitative uh, sort of uh, methods that we incorporate traditionally in our studies, I think more of the narratives, such as the instance being done in the Bangladesh paper, um, that should come into foreplay, because that is also one of the instances in which we can bring the communities, help them raising their voices through our research. And that can enable us to reach more of the practical policy recommendations. So any comments, any take on this?
0: uh maybe i can say something uh, regarding uh on the first paper that you mentioned like uh, uh providing subsidy and providing incentives could be the solution for uh for farmers you know to improvise their livelihood actually uh, i found it like many studies like uh, uh, very interesting uh, facts like uh, uh uh, like uh, providing too much subsidy has a uh, negative ecological impact in a sense. Like if you see like the current uh, farmer protest in India and uh, you see the other side of the story, which like in, in India, like the uh, subsidy on nitrogen is the cheapest in compared to, to the neighbors like Pakistan, China or Sri Lanka combined. And uh, at the same time, if you see uh, government gave too much subsidy on nitrogen and farmers ended up using really too much uh, nitrogen which actually deteriorated the quality of the soil so i'm not saying that uh, we shouldn't give subsidy subsidy is like i think farmers is like they deserve the most that they need subsidy but at the same time we also need a monitoring tool or uh, Monitoring mechanism that you know we can't take things for granted like we can't take if, if there is a free water on sub, uh, like subsidy on water. We can't just take water for granted because uh, That's what I, I found it like uh, many uh, studies on this and they were saying that subsidy is good, but There should be a limit on it or yeah. there should be a monitoring mechanism so that you know people at least aware of the I can say like ethical behavior that this is the amount that they should use and this is the amount that they should even think of the uh trans-generation or uh, something like that. So I just wanted to say like, uh, sometimes like subsidy can perceived as a as the only mechanism which can influence behavior, but it has a very negative uh, ecological impacts to
1: Yes, that is why I said that the subsidy, like the uh, overwhelming subsidy on, you know, even on water and electricity. So that should not be encouraged. Like the, the resources on which the subsidy is being provided, that should also be monitored. Like, of course, majority of the farmers are poor in India and they need, like, they need the support, um, the small landholders or the agricultural laborers. But the resources on which the support is being provided, are those renewable? And what can be the plausible effects? Like there should be some cost benefit analysis. By cost benefit analysis, I'm not speaking on the monetary tool, but also like on the sustained tools as well. I agree to you on this point, yeah. And um, in fact, like uh, because of this kind of subsidies and also like. Lack of proper knowledge about how and to what extent those, uh, you know, those chemical fertilizers to be applied. The, the result is, as you said, that uh, the soil quality has been deteriorating, yields are falling. So what requires is the proper dissemination of the information about the usage, uh, like training the farmers at first. Secondly, the resources on which the subsidies has been provided, that should also be carefully monitored. Like, is it going to raise the cost in the long run? Or are we heading towards a better future? So, so I think just to wrap up um, on today's discussion, um, the gender and um, climate change so any comments like any um, point that any any of you would like to
2: emphasize or so
0: yeah, yes. i had a
2: small point like i feel that development focus is quite skewed that is more infrastructure spending on cities which is definitely important but in that vein, it's the villages that are left out also. So I feel that those huts and all where people actually live, those are the people that get displaced during these cyclones or natural disasters. So how we have the vertical integration of slums in the cities, we could have something of that sort similar in the rural areas and also more training opportunities to tap the potential, to tap the skills of those people so that also not majority of them rely on agriculture so that they can shift to other occupational opportunities. Uh, And I think this pre-strengthening of the people and the areas that they live in can somewhere mitigate the disastrous impact that they suffer from after these disasters that happen. So I feel that skewed focus needs to be Exactly.
1: Reflected upon. That is where I think, sorry to interrupt, that yeah, is where I think it. the local, in, local government body intervention is important, yeah. like the effective intervention. Exactly, yeah. And uh, the role of the woman in the decision-making that has to be emphasized, the sequential planning and different forms of occupations has to be unraveled yeah. in the rural areas. So, that there has to be some sort of alternative to the climate dependent uh, occupations yeah. and in like overburdening the cities with the greater population. Yes, absolutely agreed on this. Yeah. And like empowering the woman, like encouraging the woman at Fort Font. Yeah.
2: So. Do we have any more comments, thoughts, anything yes. else? So I will um, just uh, just briefly
1: review on the concluding part of the today's session, as Samridi also pointed out, that we need more emphasis on the uh, vertical integration needs to be emphasized in terms of the policy making, so that so as to reduce the dependence on the uh, rural to urban migration. We need uh, building up or unraveling more occupations in the rural areas that is not depending on the climate. And we need uh, effective local interventions at the uh, both rural and the urban level and proper disseminating the sequential planning prior to the extreme shocks that will um include uh, the gender perspectives for which the role of the woman in the decision making both within and outside households in the self-help groups outside the self-help groups needs to be emphasized on so any take any more comments we have uh, one minute left i guess to end the session And also, uh, to reiterate one point, to make the policy more uh, and the research on the climate and gender to reach the communities, one, we need more of the narratives, perspective of the research so that we can include the voice of the people concerned in our studies. And this, in turn, will help us to reach at the practical policy recommendations not undermining the um, empirical or quantitative aspects, but I believe what we require at this urgent need at the tip of the iceberg is the voice of the communities concerned, more practical policy recommendations. And I think that requires the interactions with the concerned communities. Of course, the woman in particular. Thanks.
2: Thank you, Jeelam, for such an amazing session. It was really great to listen to you and also share some personal experiences. And uh, if there are any feedbacks uh, for the Reading Circle sessions that have happened, um, please feel free to put it here or on the Telegram channel. And uh, please vote by Monday on the topics for the next six months. And if you are interested to moderate any of the session in future, then you can also let us know on the channel. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for giving
1: me this uh, opportunity for moderating today's session. And uh, it was the first time I have moderated the session. So any sort of imperfection sincere apologies.